This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Here we go. All right. We are in part two of Advent. Uh, We are in expectation of his arrival um, in celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus. And so we're going to jump right into this. I hope you enjoyed worship. And let's get ready to get into the word. We're really going to dive into the Christmas story uh, today in in the word. And uh, we're going to talk about two things today. Um, two main things, uh, and if we were playing by the rules, we'd be lighting um, uh, one. Uh, actually, a couple of the candles today. Normally, you do one, but we're going to double it up today, and we're going to talk about joy and peace. And so, um, if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter two, uh, we're going to read from verse eight to verse twenty, uh, and uh, we're going to jump right into this. Let me pray. And once again, hey, welcome everybody uh, to Hopeland. Uh, church, and let's get into the Word. So, Father, we thank you for your Word today. We pray that you speak to us, God. We pray, uh, Lord, that you do a work in us. Lord, I pray that as we meditate on the Word, as we hear about Jesus and who He is, Lord, that that would bring true heart transformation, uh, Lord, uh, a true joy and a peace to our lives even in this moment. That is my prayer for everybody joining in, that they would experience the peace and and love of Jesus today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody set? Amen. All right, let's do this. So we're gonna go into, uh, if we were, if we had the the, um, Advent um, wreath and the candles, uh, we would have already lit Lit, lit, and I don't even know if that's a word. We already lit uh, the uh, the candle of uh, hope and love, and some traditions do faith instead of love. Uh, and so today, if we were doing that, we'd be lighting the candle of joy and peace. Okay, so I'm not going to give you as much history as I did last week. Um, I'm sure it would felt very informative. I'm going to give you a little bit, and then we're going to go into Luke chapter two verses eight to 20. But uh, if we were, once again, as I said, doing this, it would be the third candle, all right, which symbolizes joy. Somebody say joy. Uh, The third candle symbolizes joy and it's called the shepherd's candle um, because it was the shepherds uh, uh, that had great joy, okay? So the angels announced that Jesus came, you know, for humanity and really spoke to these shepherds right, that they would seemingly seem to be unimportant or insignificant people, but God went out of his way to tell them that the Savior um, has been born, okay? So um, so this candle, uh, in the history of it, it is pink uh, to represent joyfulness and rejoicing, all right? So here we go, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20, we're going to talk about joy here. Let me read this. I've got a good portion of verses here to read. Uh, But once again, Luke 2, verses 8 to 20, uh, starting in verse 8. 
Now there were in the same country shepherds, all right? That's why they call this one the shepherd's candle. Um, country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel uh, of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid and behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to ye which will be to all people, all people. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass with the Lord, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. All right, joy, okay? So joy, and there it is. In verse 10, the angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, all right? Um, and joy, here's my first point, folks. Uh, joy does not equate to happiness, all right? Happiness is, is not bad, um, you know, but they are different, all right? These are different. You're gonna see even in the narrative of this story uh, what joy is and, and you know, and, and, and what it um, truly is versus what um, happiness is. I heard one preacher say one time, I never forgot it. He said that happiness is based on happenings and joy is based on who God is, right? And so happiness is about what maybe I'm happy about what happened, but joy is a condition of our heart because of Christ, period, okay? Um, you know, and, and in my notes here, I, I just wanna read this. True joy is spiritual and it only comes from a revelation of who Jesus is. Uh, true joy is a spiritual thing. Uh, if, if you think about it, uh, think about the, 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 the Savior is born, right? The Savior of the world and the angels, one of the few things documented that they said that this is what this would do for people, who this Savior is, what he represents, one of the few things they said were good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. 
All right, so joy is from heaven. Joy is of God. Joy is based on who God is. Um, I, I get happy. I have happy moments. I love being happy, but joy is not that, okay? So so also, here's my next point here, just to kind of uh, clarify here what this is. Uh, joy is not the absence of trouble, okay? Uh, joy is about who Christ is, not what our circumstances are, all right? Joy is more about a person rather than a situation, all right? When, when the angels came, they announced that an actual person, capital P, Jesus, is coming, the Savior of the world, and he, he will bring great joy to all people. Joy is about a person, not about a situation. Happiness is about happenings. Joy is about God's presence, all right? So joy does not equate to happiness. Joy is not the, not the absence of trouble, meaning there can be trouble around us in our situation, but we can still have joy, right? There could be, our circumstances could be not happy. It's possible that the environment or situation isn't happy, but I can still be joyful because it's about God, not about what has happened, not about what is happening, nor about what is going to happen. Those are situations and circumstances. And, uh, you know, that's a part of life. But joy, here's my next point. Joy is the presence of a person, okay? Joy is the presence of a person. All right, so the the uh, Greek definition of this word, very powerful. It's basically, I, I said a bunch of points, but let's just read the definition of the word in here in, in Luke chapter two, verse 10, it says, and I bring you good tidings of great joy. Good tidings of great joy, uh, which will be to all people. What What is this joy? What does this mean in the Greek? This Greek word joy, it means that it is an awareness of God's grace. There it is. By definition, it's 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 God is the source. It speaks of one of the definitions is also source of joy, right? That God is the source of this type of joy. It's an awareness of grace. Actually, the word is close closely connected to caris, which is um, grace or favor, joy. It's a recognition of favor, a rec an awareness, a revelation of God. That's joy. Joy is a revelation of God. It is an awareness of God's grace, favor, right? It's grace recognized. That's what joy is. Grace recognized. Joy isn't, oh, this happened for me. This, you know, and, and I believe that God can do things um, that we're praying for, like practical things, right? And we get joy. Uh, but the joy, the tr by definition, the true joy of even God blessing us in practical ways is that the joy is a recognition of God's grace, that God did this, that we rejoice and that God did it. Not that, not just that it happened, not just that we got blessed, not just that we got, you know, but no, it's a recognition of God's grace. It is grace recognized. That is joy. Grace recognized. Another, another uh, definition that goes along with it is is we rejoice because of grace. That's what it means. Uh, it means we joy because of grace. All right, look at your neighbor and say, because of grace. All right, somebody say it with me, say grace recognized. So joy is not the absence of trouble, it's the recognition of grace because 
where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. It is possible to recognize the grace of God in the most horrible of situations. It is possible to see, to recognize, to have a revelation, our eyes opened and see God's goodness and grace even in the toughest and worst of situations. Joy is not the absence of trouble. Joy is the presence of a person. And that person is Jesus. Okay, let's read a few more verses here. Somebody say joy to the world. Acts 2, verse 28. Acts 2, verse 28. It says, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Wow. So you will make me full of joy in your presence. Joy is the presence of a person or joy is being in the presence of God or joy is when I can recognize and know that God is here now. That is joy. That is joy. All right, John chapter 16, verse 22. Here's another verse on joy. John, 6, John chapter 16, verse 22. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice. In your joy, no one will take from you, all right? It is from God. Uh, the devil can't steal it. The de you know, the world can't steal it. Our flesh can't, those things may try, those th things happen and it seems like, I, I know we could all testify, you know, throughout our life that we've allowed people, places, things, situations and the enemy to rob us of the joy that we rightfully have in Christ, right? And Jesus said, in your joy, no one will take it from you. All right, here we go. One more verse here, but Psalm 51, 12. Joy, joy, folks. Jesus came to bring us joy. Emmanuel brings joy. That's who it comes from. That's where we find it. That's where we experience and walk in it. It comes from Jesus. Emmanuel brings joy. So Psalm 51, 12, it says this, uh, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Once again, salvation, Christ, Jesus is the source of joy. All right, it is spiritual. It is from heaven. It is from God. Uh, it is. It comes from the kingdom of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is what? Three things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I believe that the Christmas um, season, Advent season, is an opportunity for us that our prayer would be, God, restore to me the joy of our salvation. Restore it to me, God. I've lost some joy. I've lost some, some, some authentic joy and satisfaction in you alone, Lord. So restore to me the joy of being saved, the joy of walking with you, the joy of knowing you, the joy that I can find in your word, the joy that I can find and experience in your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Hallelujah. All right, that was Psalm 51, 12. Now let's look at a couple songs here, folks. Here it is, angels we have heard on high. 
All right, angels, we have heard on high, sweetly singing over the plains. I wish I could sing it. I wish I could sing it. I might just edit that out. I might just edit that out. But in the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. There it is. Echoing their joyous strains. <laughs> All right. The Bible says make a joyful noise. That's what that was. Angels we have heard on high. You know, Gloria and Excelsis Deo. Gloria, right? And excelsis day, right? Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? All right. There it is. Angels we've heard on high. Look at that advent all up in there. The, the joy candle right there, right? All right, here's another one. Very popular song here. I'm sure you guys know which one this is going to be. But the most popular song about joy, um, a Christmas song about joy. Here it is, Joy to the World. Uh, by the way, just a little history here. Um, you know, Angels We've Heard on High is a French Christmas carol that was written in 1862. For all you folks that didn't know, that came, that was um, a French um, um, uh, Christmas Carol. Uh, Joy to the World, Isaac Watts wrote this um, in this range of, uh, it looks like late 1600s into the 1700s. Uh, but here it is, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. There it is, says it all, right? Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Prepare him room. And uh, I think the original version says it this way, and saints and angels sing, all right? And saints and angels sing, and saints and saints and angels sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let saints their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding Joy, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. There it is. All right, joy to the world. I, I apologize to all the online community to have to um, kind of um, suffer through my singing here. But when we're in person, I actually have my wife sing uh, these songs. That's what we're doing. We're kind of having her sing in these, these verses um, as we're teaching the word. Um, and so... There you have it. Um, so joy, okay? Joy is the presence of a person and his name is Jesus, all right? Can I get an amen, somebody? All right, so let's go on. Here we go. Let's go on to the Emmanuel. This is the next point. Emmanuel brings peace. Emmanuel brings peace. All right, so this is the fourth candle. So the third one is joy. The first one was hope, then love, and now joy. Oh, sorry, hope, love, joy, and now peace, okay? So I, I, just to reiterate and review, the joy candle is the shepherd's candle, all right? Because they were told of joy, okay? And they rejoiced. The Bible says they went out and told people of, the, of this Savior, 
uh, Jesus. They, they and people were amazed. They, they rejoiced. They sang praises. All right. Um, and so there it is, folks. All right. So here it is. The angels candle. The angels announced that Jesus came to bring peace. Somebody say peace. Say when we say Emmanuel brings peace. Okay, he, he came to bring people close to God and to each other again. So uh, peace represents a lot, okay? Uh, but the peace of God, uh, the Bible says that we have peace. This is in the book of Romans. It says we have peace with God, all right, in the grace in which we now stand. And so because of Jesus, we have peace with God. All right, he came to restore that relationship. There's peace, all right? Um, he's also brought peace to humanity that uh, we said, we shared this last week, that the cross and Christ's coming has not only reconciled humanity to God, but humanity to one another, all right? So the angels announced that Jesus came to bring peace. He came to bring people close to God and to each other again, all right? So this was a purple candle, all right? And so here we go. Let's look back here. Just a couple verses in Luke 2. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And, and suddenly there was uh, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. All right. All, you know, all that Christ came for. You notice like, these are these are like main themes, right? In the Word of God, when hope not hard to find in the Word of God, am I right? Uh, a love, of course not, right? Um, uh, joy, peace, like uh, walking with Christ, right? It's not complex or complicated. There is such simplicity in the gospel, and I think sometimes we we convolute it. And we, we kind of, it becomes this convoluted and, and just a filled with ambiguity and, and, um, and there's such uh, simplicity in the Christmas story. Uh, and he, it says it here, verse 14 of Luke 2, glory to God in highest and on earth, peace. Peace, goodwill toward men, all right? And so here it is, peace in the Greek. I love this definition because this is really gonna kind of set up um, how I'm going to teach on this, uh, but the Greek definition of the word peace is when all the essential parts are tied together. It speaks of wholeness, okay? Uh, once again, God is the source of true peace. It comes from nothing or nobody else. Here it is. This is by definition, peace in the Greek. It means the tranquil state of a soul. It's a state of a soul, our soul, assured of its salvation through Christ the tranquil state of a soul. It is not because of a situation or circumstance. Or, you know, it is, it is the condition of our soul. It is the state of our soul because of Christ, all right? And, and here's the definition. I'll read that part again and kind of continue here. But the tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot, or whatsoever sort that is, right? The Bible talks about how we must learn to be content with such things as we have. The devil loves to get us into envy. 
and jealousy and wanting what other people have and, and jealous of what they have and then having this unhealthy desire for it. Okay, that is totally demonic. Jealousy, envy, and I'm here to tell you that we can have peace with where we are, who we're with, what we're doing. I understand that there is a drive in us to, to, to uh, achieve and to do and to succeed. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I believe that that kind of work ethic and drive is of God, but even that can get twisted because of our drive can be attached to something that's unhealthy that it's like we're trying to prove something or it's kind of feeding our insecurity, right? And so if we can get another raise, we'll feel more secure about ourselves. If we can make a little bit more money, we can feel a little secure about ourselves. If we get that uh, that nice whatever type of clothes or what and all that, like it can kind of make us feel better about ourselves, right? And there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves, but there can be based on motive or what the motive is coming from. And we all have to wrestle with that stuff. If we're honest, we all wrestle with those things. We all have those tensions and moments. And we gotta be honest before the Lord and say, God, Lord, if there's any insecurity, get the best of me, Lord, just deal with me, God, touch me, God, deliver me. Any jealousy, envy, strife, kind of any unhealthy drive to feed something that's just not of God. Can I get an amen, somebody? And so that's why Jesus came to deliver us from the, the uh, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's the, that's the spirit of the world, needing more, wanting more, having, having to have more, 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 right? It's the lust of the eyes. That's what the Bible says. The lust of the flesh, the desire right? The pride of life, like to, to build our life in such a way that we just are so prideful about what we've done and what we do and how we do it and how we look and where we live and how much, you know, how much money we have or how much, um, you know, the, the latest and the greatest thing out there. I have that. Look at me, right? I mean, th this is a world we live in and we all have to wrestle through those things. But I'm here to tell you right now, Emmanuel brings peace. And that's what that word peace means, folks. It means all the essential parts are tied together. Wholeness, I'm telling you right now, it is God's peace. It is the peace of God that delivers us from, from the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, because it the peace of God is what brings true wholeness. None of those other things do it. None of those other things do it. Here we go. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. This is a messianic prophecy of Christ given by Isaiah, and it says here, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, all right? So here is my next point. Peace is the presence of a person, not presence, but presence, I know I pretty much said the same word, but you know what I mean, presence, meaning he's here. Emmanuel, God with us. Peace comes from none of those other things. Peace is in the presence of Christ, all right? Uh, the, in the, in the, the definition I gave you, uh, the Greek definition of peace, I gave that to you, and the Hebrew is, is very synonymous to it. 
It means to be complete or sound. All right? There's a lot of believers that are walking with God and love God, but they're controlled by so many other things. Their flesh is so tied into so many other things. They're so entangled in placing their identity and and self-worth and so many other things that aren't even Jesus. And I'm telling you, they are absent of walking in true completeness and soundness in Christ. Hallelujah. This is what Emmanuel has brought us. Emmanuel brings peace. All right, so this is what I really wanted to get at uh, because I really wanted to drive home um, and just really minister to you on, on the joy of the Lord and the peace of God. Okay, so once again, these are themes in the word of God. They are, they are core to our faith and our relationship with Jesus, okay? And so um, it's very interesting that this is what Emmanuel has brought, and it's explicit in the Christmas story, right? Peace on earth, you know, joy to all men, right? So, uh, but it's very interesting because what was surrounding them at the time, it wasn't, it didn't look like it was joyful or peaceful. And so that is the point that peace and joy don't have to do with circumstances or situations at all. Have nothing to do with it, okay? So let's look at this story, okay? Let's look at it. So let's look at Matthew chapter two. We're gonna read this, okay? We're gonna read the whole of Matthew chapter two, okay? We're gonna read through this because I think when we read it in context, when we read through it, you kind of can, it's almost like taking a step back and kind of really looking at what happened in and around the birth of Jesus when he, you know, came and what the people had to deal with as a result of Jesus coming, all right, and being born of Mary. Uh, okay, so here it is, Matthew chapter two, verse one. I'm gonna read all the way to verse 22, or I think it's 22, 23 verses, okay? So let's do this, let's do this. All right, we got time, we got time. You guys good, you're good? Okay, cool. Um, Matthew chapter two, verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse three, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. I'm telling you right now, listen to this. Jesus came to bring joy and peace. And yet here it is, the, 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 the government official is troubled by it. He's troubled. Wait, well, Jesus came to be joy and peace. Yeah, but he is joy and peace. He is. Okay, but look at verse five. Um, So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. I mean, they were connecting this to what we read last week, what Micah prophesied. But you, Bethlehem, this is verse six, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse seven, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men 
determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. He's totally lying. He's up to no good in the neighborhood. Herod is out for blood here, okay? Jesus came to bring joy and peace, but look at the situation. It's hostile. It is hostile. This situation is hostile. And look at here's my next point. Peace is not the absence of hostility. Peace in itself is the absence of hostility, but you will find peace when the situation is hostile, when people are hostile, when the devil's getting hostile. I'm telling you, peace is there. Peace isn't, isn't some, uh, you know, some like kind of uh, you for everything around you is just perfect. That is not the peace of God. The peace of God is God's presence. And many times his presence comes when we're in trouble. I mean, Jesus came and there was trouble all around, but in him is peace, not in the situation. In him is peace, not from this world. It is from him. He is the source of our peace. Peace is not some utopian society right? That's not going to happen in this world. In this world, we will have tribulation. Jesus said, be of good courage. I have overcome the world. So, so the Prince of Peace came, but trouble came as a result. Okay, this is a paradox, folks, because look, let me encourage you here. The world, your flesh, and the devil are going to be hostile to Christ, your calling, and your walk with God, period. But even in those situations, Christ will be your peace. He will be your wholeness when everything else around you is fragmented and broken. Once again, all right, peace is not the absence of hostility, okay? All right, here we go. Let's uh, look at verse nine now, okay? We're still in Matthew, all right? We're still in Matthew chapter two. Let's look at verse nine. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. There's joy again. Verse 11, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way, risking their lives. Think about the hostility. Could you imagine, man, the savior of the world, man, we got our gifts, we're worshiping him. We have, we go to bed at night, we're gonna get up, head back to Herod, let him know what's going on. And they, and, and they, they are divinely warned, do not go back to that man. Y'all dip out and, and, and don't, don't go back, right? Think about the hostility. Think about the emotion these guys were maybe going through. Like, oh man, what if they, you know, I'm saying, what if they find out where we are? What, you know, we're, we're dead. We're dead. I mean, you know, think about this. Verse 13, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. All right, saying, arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. All right, and stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Jesus, Prince of Peace, came to bring joy. And these folks got to flee to Egypt and he's warned that somebody's trying to kill this baby. Somebody say situations 
was hostile. All right. It was getting hectic, hostile. All right. It was, there were, there was, there was, you know, obviously uh, potential for fear or, or for even disobedience. Like, man, I'm out of this thing, man. This ain't, even, could you imagine Joseph? Like, this ain't even my baby. Like, this ain't my child. You know what I mean? And I gotta, you know, I'm warned of God. I gotta take my wife, you know, and, and this child that we are now responsible for to Egypt of all places. And like, just, just hang out there until, until I tell you to leave. Like they were in hiding, uh, you know, refugees, if you will. All right. Come on now. Once again, peace is in the presence of a person. It is not found in situations. And many times when we have Christ in us, it's going to cause hostility. The Savior was born, the devil didn't like it, and the, 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 the powers that be wanted him killed. All right? And we got to understand to walk with God, there's, it's going to get hostile at times. It's not that he's not there. It's just that that's the nature of the world we're in. And we will find peace and joy in him alone. Okay? Verse 14. When he, when, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed. I mean, at night, they're out. In hiding. In hiding. Okay? At verse 15. And was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt, I called my son. Verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because... They are no longer. The, the environment was hostile as when Christ was born. There was peace and joy found in him and what he was going to do for all of humanity. But those surrounding this child, they had to suffer. There was some suffering they had to go through to steward the divine seed. And um, it's the same for us, folks that there is going to be trial, trouble, tribulation, and suffering when we choose to steward the divine seed that has been planted in our hearts. Verse 19, now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. 22, but when he heard that, that Archelaus was reigning over Judah instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Just didn't stop. And being warned by God, there's another warning, warned by God in a dream. He turned aside into the region of Galilee and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Look at that. God was speaking and confirming. I mean, think about this. Their journey was tough. Their journey wasn't easy. Their journey there was hostility around stewarding this, this baby, this child, 
right? They, 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 they fled Egypt, stayed there, came back, were afraid, you know, and then through the process, they were having dreams. There were dreams. God was speaking to them. They were being led by the spirit, right? And then also what's very interesting is that this whole journey they had to go through was part of God's plan. It was the fulfillment of prophetic words spoken by prophets uh, years and years before this actually happened. I'm here to tell you right now, even in the suffering, even in the trial, even in the trouble, even in the hostility, I'm telling you God's will is being done in your life. All you got to do is just hear him and follow his leading. That's what they did. And the rest is history, right? They raised that baby. He did his job. He fulfilled his purpose. Come on, somebody. And and uh, died on the cross, wrote, buried, rose again the third day. And now the Holy Spirit has been sent and lives in us. I mean, praise the Lord for some good parents that were able to hear from God even in the tough times. Yeah, somebody say amen. All right, so we don't get peace from the world. We find it in Christ while we're in this world. We don't get it from the world, but we get it while we're here in this world, but it comes from him. Let's not stop trying. Let's stop. Let's stop trying to find peace in people, places, or things that can't give it to us. Okay, peace is there in the presence of trials. Okay, here's a couple songs here, folks. A couple songs. Hark the herald angels sing. All right, this was written by John Wesley in the 1700s, I believe 1739, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was an amazing preacher, songwriter. Uh, he wrote a lot of songs. You probably don't even know he wrote them, but you know them because they're pretty popular and people still sing them today. Uh, but heart the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Yes, Lord. Somebody say peace on earth. All right, not from the earth, but on it. Why? Because of Christ. Not from the world, but in the world, in it because of Jesus. Not from any other source but him, but we're, while we're here, we get it from him alone. Okay, here's another song. It came upon the midnight clear. This song was written in 1849 by Edmund H. Sears. And it goes like this. It came upon the midnight clear, the glorious song of old from angels bending near the earth with news of joy foretold peace on earth goodwill to men all right from heaven's all gracious king the world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing still through the cloven skies they come love's banner all unfurled and it goes on and on, but there, there it is. With news of joy foretold, peace on earth, goodwill to men. All right, that is, it came upon the midnight clear. Pretty cool uh, song there, praise the Lord. All right, folks, so those are the, um, the two we went over today, joy and peace. And so I hope, I hope and pray that minister to you and just may, hopefully brought just a little more clarity, a little just more encouragement that uh, peace and joy aren't defined by what's happening around us. They're defined by who lives in us. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for everybody joining today. I pray your blessing, your favor, and your grace on them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.